are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. In the last two or three days, I guess it was actually Friday, Tucker Carlson of Fox News Network got strangely fired. And, and obviously the operative word is strangely fired because he had his show had a combined audience that was larger than like the top seven cable news network shows and even, uh, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS shows combined. His audience was so large that all the competitive liberal stations, even if you added them all up combined, their total audience share, he clobbered them. Why? Well, really simply why. He was a talented, gifted communicator, intelligent, thought for himself, knew how to tap into the audience. You know, anybody who's successful as a talk show host or in television or radio or whatever, uh, they, have, they have a common, uh, common bond. They all know how to tap in. All, all they do, not all they do, but primarily what they do is they echo the sentiments, the feeling, the rage, the frustration, the despair that, that is resident in the hearts and minds of their viewers or listeners who, who collectively, we, yeah, that's you and me, we feel suffocated, suffocated by this Orwellian plague. That, that chokes the life out of our nation and is choking the life out of our nation. I was listening to a commentary by Steve Bannon, and I don't agree with a lot of what Steve Bannon has to say, but Steve Bannon uh, probably knows more about the, the spiritual warfare from a psychological, economic, and then hands-on political uh, strategy than, you know, 98 97% of all Christians. He gets what's really happening, and that we really are in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, which is the title of a book that I released recently, which is selling like crazy because it answers the questions you have. And he made a Tucker Carlson made a comment. I made a similar comment, but Tucker Carlson made a comment when he was speaking at the Heritage Foundation a think tank that I'm very familiar with, because when I was uh, one of Fox News Network's promising uh, young rising stars, not in the same category of Tucker Carlson, but I was on my way up. I was in their uh, Manhattan studios on the biggest shows on the Fox News Network, like O'Reilly, and I could drop names, Cavuto. Uh, I was on the biggest shows, the biggest names. And my job was to debate some of the biggest and most powerful guests in economics and politics, uh, culture, and all kinds of things. And uh, I would use as one of many of the resources uh, that I would use, because I, I, I came on the air prepared. I mean, I, I came on the air loaded for bear. And so uh, the Heritage uh, Foundation was one of my. Uh, sources for data and facts and information. I didn't even know who they were initially, but as I began to scour the internet, I realized that they were telling more truth than, than most of the, the propaganda machines out there. So this guy, and I know what it's like to uh, disappear from here and disappear from there. When you are a talk show host, you basically... Uh, are like a trapeze performer in some kind of media circus, except you walk that tightrope and there's no safety net. So when you fall, you know, not you're not falling because of your incompetence many of the times. You fall because people behind the scenes have conspired to take you down because you are a powerful communicator and you're swaying the opinion of the masses and the, the globalist uh, elite want to control the minds of the masses so they can exploit the masses. And anyone who is perceived as a serious threat, they go after. Now, I'm going to be very delicate and diplomatic about what I'm going to say. When I say they go after, I don't need to spell out for you what that means when I tell you they go after people who are effective communicators. I was a highly effective communicator. 
I wasn't in the same ballpark as Tucker Carlson. He had a, a monstrous audience. But back when I was on for 10 years, there was no real viable uh, social media, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Google, and, you know, the new stuff, Rumble and all that stuff, Brighteon. None of that stuff was around. So, so we were talking to much larger audiences simply because, uh, you know, it was the networks and Fox News versus CNN. And I did a lot of CNN shows, too because my job was to go into CNN. And back then, they wanted a debate. And back then, both Fox and CNN wanted to have the sparks fly. So, one thing I learned, and, and I, I know I shared this with you early on uh, in the 2016 election with Trump. It became obvious to me in a very, very short period of time that the only way these giant media conglomerates and corporations like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and all the rest of them, the only way that they could possibly remain viable and continue to violate the uh, traditional business model. What is the traditional business model? The traditional business model is profit, costs, and loss. You, you do what you can to cultivate, grow, and win an ever-increasing audience. That brings in for you ever-increasing and larger amount of advertising dollars and profits. Every, every one of you listening, no matter what business you're in, including having a lemonade stand or selling cookies for a fundraiser, the, the basic business model is always the same. The idea is to produce a product or a service that people really want and that's done by earning and winning the trust of your potential customers, your, your potential uh, audience, or whatever you want to call it. So th those are the rules of business, and they've been the rules of business since the beginning of time. So I began to observe very early on that, that we had entered an era where the traditional business model no longer applied, and that these mega media corporations owned by the globalist elite felt that they could literally um, barf on their audiences, demean their audiences, insult their audiences, put down their audiences, mock their audiences, uh, spit on their audiences for their, for their conservative values, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that, that, there's no business in the world that would operate like that. No car dealership, no restaurant, no insurance company. That's not how business and profit work. It is a total violation of the principles of economics and business. So why do they do that? Because the, the game changed secretly under the table. The game changed. Now, these giant media corporations owned by the globalist elite, they don't have to concern themselves with increasing their audience share. They don't really have to concern themselves with winning the respect of their audience having credibility before their viewers or listeners. They no longer concern themselves with those all-important dynamics. They can lie. They can function as propaganda agents. They can uh, just say stuff without any documentation. And they, they, they function like berserkers. Now, uh, in my book, Power from on High, I talk about real power that descends from on high, the heavenlies, when God's people call upon God in intercessory prayer. And what Jesus talked about when he said to his disciples, tarry in Jerusalem until the Father sends you power from on high. He was talking about the supernatural power of God, the dunamis, which means the dynamite-like detonation, spiritually explosive force of God that can destroy satanic strongholds, obliterate satanic lies and propaganda, and break the collective trance state. You've you got to understand, we are not fighting a mere physical warfare here. The primary warfare that Christians are engaged in at this very moment is a battle between the supernatural body of Christ, God versus Satan, God's angels versus the fallen angels and the demons and the principalities and powers, God's technology, and don't ask me the stupid question, where is God's technology? What are you, deaf, dumb, and blind? 
where is God's technology? Read your Bible, man. I mean, it really annoys me. Read your Bible. Where in the Bible does it say God has technology? Well, where in the Bible does it say God has Jesus used an electric toothbrush? He didn't. But when you go back to the earliest books in the Bible, God reveals his technology. Now, I'm just going to give you one, maybe two, two examples of God's technology. Let's talk about the first thing that comes to my mind. And that is when Elijah and Elijah, in other words, Elijah the prophet and his his assistant, the guy he was mentoring, Elisha, they were engaged in an all-out battle with the demonically energized armies of Syria. And the Syrian armies were marching forward to the military camps and villages of Israel, and they were going to slaughter, in a blood slaughter, um, the the, uh, children of Israel. They were going to massacre them, the Syrian armies. And Elijah was in total despair. And God supernaturally opened his eyes. God supernaturally took the blinders off their eyes, just like, wake up, just like God wants to supernaturally take the blindness off your eyes right now. And when when a biblical and authentic revival happens, one of the hallmarks and evidences of an authentic biblical revival is that God restores the ability of his children to see. He, he restores the vision, spiritual vision. Why? Because God said in his word, without vision, my people perish. So God supernaturally opens the eyes uh, of, of the prophet's student. And he says, behold, the hills are filled with chariots of fire, and those that be with us are more than those that be with them. So God gave him the ability to look in the spiritual realm, to look into the spiritual dimension, and he could see these, these angelic armies glowing with like a fire, the glory of God just bursting from them, and he could see this massive lineup, listen carefully, of the technology of God, which was the chariots of fire. That tells you these were not merely wooden and metal chariots drawn by horses, as powerful a military weapon back then that might have been. The chariots of fire represented the actual science and technology of God, where the chariots of fire moved out of the spiritual realm dimension into the physical world dimension. And the reason the chariots were described as chariots of fire is because in the eyes of Elijah and Elijah, they were burning. They were set on fire. Okay? So it, it was super, they, these chariots were super, they represented supernatural technology. You don't hear people teach on that because the body of Christ in America, and I'm not trying to pick on them, but they better wake up or they're going to find themselves in a bad place. The body of Christ in America has rejected God's word, just like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. God opened their eyes, and they could see the chariots of fire. This was a representation and demonstration of the supernatural technology of God, one among many. So if we do a deep dive into the scripture, we discover that not only does Satan and the fallen angels, they possess technology and advanced sciences, but so do, so does God, and God's people can be the recipients of the chariots of fire and the angelic armies of God Almighty that move under the anointing power from on high and the supernatural glory of God. So what happened is uh, the, the children of Israel are freaking out; they're in total despair, except for Elijah the prophet. He's been around the block, and he teaches Elijah, his mentor. He says. Now open your eyes, or he, he prays that God would supernaturally open his eyes, and he, he has a revelation of final reality, that, is, that which is real beyond the mythology, and he sees that the hills are alive with the chariots of fire. And these chariots of fire, along with the angelic armies, penetrate the encampments 
and the military lineup of the massive Syrian armies and the king of Syria. And they, and they come down into the earth realm with such force, power from on high, the dunamis dynamite power of God. They come down from the heavenlies into the physical realm with such force, the dunamis, that the Syrian armies in, are, are so confused that they begin fighting among themselves and the Syrian armies begin to slaughter each other in their confusion. And the rest of the hundreds of thousands of soldiers in the Syrian armies begin to run for their lives and retreat. And God's people have the victory. Now, why do God's people have the victory? The same reason God's people have the victory in every recorded, historically accurate uh, recording of history accurately from Genesis to Revelation. Whenever God's people stop relying on the weapons and resources of the flesh, which simply means when God's people stop relying on their human strength, ability, and resources, which are finite and limited, and turn to God and open up to receive supernatural, miraculous power, they then become victorious. So we see account after account after account in the Bible of what happens when God's people forsake the idols, like money, like political power, etc., etc. They forsake their idols, and they call upon God, and God delivers them from slavery, delivers them from captivity, and gives them the power to be victorious in battles, spiritual battles, where they would not normally be victorious. The same thing happens with David when he, when he engages Goliath, the Nephilim giant. There we see, let's call it an organic, an organic technology of God. Organic in the sense that the weapon is not made from man's electronic circuitry, artificial intelligence, robotics, cloning, androids, things of that nature. The weapon that David uses, notice that, that as David is moving towards the battlefield, guess who mocks him? It's just like today, when you and I try to do something, sometimes our greatest enemies in the spiritual war are people who claim to be Christians. Well, back then, David obviously was a Jew, and his family were Jewish, and King Saul was the head of, of the system. And he offered David his most expensive, and this wasn't just gaudy, shiny, jewel-embedded uh, uh, weaponry. This was the highest-grade weaponry that Saul had. So his sword was incredibly long. The, the sword's ability was polished with the finest metal, and it, could, it was like a razor blade in its ability to, to, to just sever limbs or whatever and be victorious in battle. Same was with his shield. It was made with the right balance, the right metals, the right woods. So it enhanced King Saul's ability to be victorious in a military battle. But David thanked him and said he didn't need that. And so he faces Goliath with, with let's call it, an organic weapon, a stone from the earth, which he polished, or maybe he found it by a, a, a river or, or, or an ocean. And you know what happens as the ocean waters or the river waters rub against the rocks after centuries and the tide going in, the tide going out. It polishes the stone to be a smooth stone. So, so this was, didn't come off the assembly line at the Ford Motor Plant. This wasn't outsourced. The smooth stone was an organic weapon made from God's nature, not worshiping nature, made from God's nature. And then David used his slingshot. But David, what David had is what our military doesn't get. Um, I've been doing a recent deep dive in research, and I talk about stuff in my book, Power from One Eye, which, by the way, you need to get, and you need to get it quickly. And um, the super soldiers have all this uh, mind-enhancing, performance-enhancing type of technologies and drugs, et cetera, et cetera and the development of psychic powers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
as many militaries have done similar things throughout the ages, including the Nazis and their harnessing of the guerrilla force. And back to the berserkers. The berserkers were these Germanic tribes of genetically tall giants. And before they would go into battle against the Roman Empire, which had the most highly trained soldiers, the most disciplined and formidable army in the world, these Germanic tribes would, historians believe, they would ingest uh, psychedelic mushrooms or, or other plant substances that produced psychedelic uh, uh, supernatural experiences. And so what happened is they would, the berserkers would go into a, a cult satanic ritual before engaging in battle. They would take the magic mushrooms or whatever kind of mushrooms they were. Through the ritual, they would invoke demonic spirits of destruction. And then, because the psychedelic drugs, the psychedelic mushrooms, opened the portals into the dark part of the invisible realm, they, through their rituals and chanting, and they put themselves into a trance state or an altered state of consciousness where they, they summoned the demons to possess them so they could be victorious in war. In other words, they, they partnered with Lucifer and the high-level demons in order to be victorious in warfare. And then, as a consequence, their, their strength multiplied exponentially. They could feel no pain. Their strength was enhanced. And then they would go berserk. And that's where the, the word, the verbiage, berserk comes from. And the Roman Empire called these, these Germanic tribes the berserkers, because after ingesting the psychedelic mushrooms, and being demon possessed, they went they went absolutely stark, raving mad, and then plunged onto the battlefield like they were like possessed, like they were like zombies on amphetamines, and and they felt no pain, and they would they had superhuman strength because of the psychedelic portal that was open, and they would rip people's bodies apart and or eat them alive, chop their heads off, and they they were terrifying. Uh, the Roman soldiers were the best military trained in the world, but they had they had to put everything in it to fight the berserkers because the berserkers literally went berserk. In other words, through demon possession, they went insane and they harnessed that anger, that rage, that insanity, and the strength of demon possession opened up through the portals of psychedelic drugs to engage the Romans and actually defeated the Romans. And this. There were two things that caused the fall of the Roman Empire, the immorality and the idolatry uh, within the Roman Empire, and then these sieges and attacks from the Germanic tribes and the berserkers who attacked uh, the Roman soldiers. In the movie with Russell Crowe, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but you all know it. It's the movie where he... He is fighting for the, the Roman emperor. And you see battle scenes in, in the first opening minute. These, these spectacular battle scenes are depicted in the opening minutes of the film where the highly trained Roman troops have to encounter on a military basis the berserkers who are, who are fearless and can feel no pain through the usage of psychedelic drugs. Now. Similar things were happening with the Syrian army and uh, with David. So David didn't need to rely on psychedelic drugs. He relied on the supernatural power of God. He relied on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he had no fear in him when he said to Goliath, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? And then used his organic God technology weapon, one smooth stone, swirled his slingshot, the smooth stone, lodged into the forehead of uh, Goliath, and Goliath dropped dead. And the battle was won, and the Syrian army fleed for its life. One of the things I've learned from studying super soldiers and going all the way back thousands and thousands of years ago in my research, which I outlined for you in Power from on High, and the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind, conquering the Matrix, 
A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and my other books, which you can get right now at a big discount at paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. By the way, this is Paul McGuire. We have more, and we'll be back in just a minute. I need your help to spread this message far and wide, because the body of Christ is already beginning to, to, to fight the berserkers of our time. Um, but you don't, you don't, you're not victorious against the berserkers if you're using conventional weapons. You need to use the supernatural weapons of God. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the pulling down strongholds, satanic fortifications. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Spread this message far and wide and spread the fire, the legitimate, authentic, biblical fire of the Holy Spirit far and wide. We'll be back in a nanosecond. You are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Okay, so we, we look at this thing. When I say this thing, I mean our physical reality world or our physical reality dimension. And uh, scientists call this uh, the scientific method. The idea is that whatever is truly real is the product of sensory, using your senses like visual, hearing, taste, touch, etc., to determine whether or not something is real. So if something is not real and it can't be defined in terms of sensory input. It's considered a fantasy, a fairy tale, you know, a theory of a lunatic or whatever. Now, a revolution occurred in science beginning to take off in the late 1800s, 1900s, up to the present moment. Physicists like Max Planck and others laid the early groundwork of quantum physics. Now, so essentially, quantum physics is the discovery that true reality is multidimensional and that true reality consists of somewhere between 11 and 13 different dimensions. So now we have the acknowledgement from the scientific community that our reality is far more than what our senses can determine. Our reality is uh, consists of somewhere between 11 and 13 different dimensions. When you study the Bible and you, you take off your you know, evangelical sunglasses, your religious uh, sunglasses, and you read the Bible as not only a spiritual book, which it is, but you read the Bible um, from the perspective that it is scientifically true, biologically true, genetically true, its predictions of the future, the past, and the present are true, and things like the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true, the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the age. All of these things are true. So these spiritual battles that are depicted in the Bible revolve around always the overarching theme of this all-out war between good and evil. And evil is personified by Lucifer, or, which means the shining one, or Satan, which means the father of lies. And he has a hierarchy of fallen angels, uh, demons, territorial spirits, and uh, an entire invisible realm structure, an invisible realm, multidimensional army of evil, because Satan or Lucifer is leading a coup against the rule of God, the throne room of God. So everything that we're seeing in the world today is the result of this massive battle in the invisible realm between Satan and God. Now, of course, we know that God wins, and all those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ are, are victors. They are victorious with God in this battle at the end of the age, where there'll be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem, an eternal life, a brand new glorified body that's eternal just kind of like what Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden, but it will be so far beyond that. So right now we're involved in the minutiae of the struggle, and that means that in the United States of America, everything that you see in terms of the, the battle between good and evil in the mass media, what is that? Well, essentially that's a battle between 
the lie and the truth, between deception, delusion, and the truth, which sets you free. The most classic example, and I deal with this heavily in my books, Power from One High, and The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, uh, I talk about communism and Marxism and socialism. And we have to understand that those ideologies are the expression of Lucifer's game plan or Satan's game plan for planet Earth. Number one, those ideologies, Satanism, Luciferianism, uh, witchcraft, the occult, the New Age, etc., etc., they produce communism and Marxism. Communism and Marxism killed, literally, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people in communist Russia, in communist China, communist Cuba, communist Cambodia, Cambodia, and so on and so forth. So um, millions and millions of people were deliberately starved to death. They were designated insane if they did not believe in communism. They were shot to death, killed, tortured, massacred, and because they lie consistently about the uh, the real impact of communism, uh, they they try to hide the fact that in communist China, you know, like 250, 300 million people were massacred, and in Russia, uh, a similar number, and even on the flip side of the coin, uh, hypernationalism, which would be the fascism of uh, Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, which is not all that uh, dissimilar to communism and Marxism. All of these ideologies, what made them grow and spread and what allowed them to capture the minds of the masses was the fact that their ideologies and belief systems were infused with demonic, Luciferian, satanic energy that, that opened portals in the invisible realm because of rituals and psychedelic drugs and things of that nature. Now, it comes to where we are now. Tucker Carlson is just one figure among many. He attempted, however, imperfectly, and and it was imperfectly, to speak the truth to power. He got fired for that because the people uh, who, who are the kings and queens of this present world system They uh, are the globalist elite. They're the richest families in the world. They're the the capitalist families, the super capitalist families, the international banking families. They collectively uh, own trillions and trillions of dollars. And they have, people don't understand this, and I explain this, because you, you, you can't win this spiritual battle that we're in unless you can really define the nature of your spiritual enemy. So we have to understand that communism and Marxism are satanic vehicles for conquest that disguise themselves as false messiahs, false saviors of the people, ideologies and bloody revolutions which will uh, cause fair wealth redistribution, free health care for all, uh, great education for all, a more higher standard of living, uh, free speech, free expression, you know, basic rights. All of those things that I just spoke to you are total and utter, complete lies. They're they're uh, burning lies <clears throat> that constitute the fiery missiles of the evil one, Satan. And unless the Christian, Bible-believing Christian, has carefully put on the full armor of God, which is multi-dimensional armor, and uses their armor, such as the shield of faith, where which the fiery darts or missiles or arrows of the evil one shot at the believer, uh, the believer can stand strong because he or she holds up their shield of faith. Faith in what? Faith in the Word of God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're able to advance forward and set people free because they're using the multidimensional spiritual armor. 
Now, as I said in my books, uh, Power from on High and The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, and A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 2, I take you incrementally at a very high speed. I believe it's entertaining, but anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and will equip you to understand and to be able to see the nature, the true nature of the spiritual battle you're in. Unless the body of Christ in America, and this is very interesting because I just happened to be watching Tucker Carlson's uh, uh, speech that he gave uh, at this prestigious institute that I mentioned at the beginning of the program, Heritage Foundation, that I used to work with when I was a regular contributor on Fox News Network. And um, Tucker Carlson really, you know, he admitted that his faith was very shallow because he, he came from that watered-down, humanistic, Episcopalian church roots, which is really nothing more than secular humanism using uh, Christian words. And he said, his whole speech was almost prophetic. He gave it over the weekend. And, he, you know, there was a prophetic tone to what he was sharing. It was eerie. You've seen it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. And you can see it on the Internet. And with this prophetic tone, he, he basically said that he felt convicted. He didn't use those words. To pray and the importance of praying at least 10 minutes a day as being one of the most powerful energy sources, uh, harnessing the supernatural power of God through prayer to change America, to change our lives, and to change our world. And he said, I don't know whether he was listening to me or what, he said that this would change uh, the direction of the spiritual battle 180 degrees. And you hear me say that like a mantra on the phone of wire report. And that could turn the tide of the battle. Now, most Christians that I know who, who claim to have far more, uh, a far deeper knowledge of the Bible, claim to know something about spiritual warfare, they would have been unable to grasp that, let's just call it a vital but kindergarten level truth of the Word of God, which is this. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities, the powers, the dark, unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And he kept talking about it, and he is, he's, you know, he's open to the Word of God. He's, he's hungry. He's searching. Uh, and in that vulnerable and childlike state, God is able to use men and women that have that vulnerable and childlike state because they have a teachable spirit. There is nothing more formidable and nothing used by Satan as much as Christians, both male and female, who believe they know it all biblically. And they don't have teachable spirits. Their, their theology, and I'm not promoting apostasy, uh, but their theology, they're, they're not open, and they don't have a teachable spirit in order to humble themselves before God. So let's take this issue of Bible prophecy. I've been teaching Bible prophecy now for 50 years, and extensively. And the response, God kept giving me, like, like Tucker Carlson, I was watching him and I was amazed. Obviously, his show was far larger than my show. But I was amazed how God used him because there was a similarity between his life and my life. In that, he experienced incredible rejection, had to walk through the wilderness. Uh, and many of you have experienced that. You know, the people that God uses, uh, if, if you want God to use you, and I, I, he does, and I want God to use me, and I'm sure most of you want God to use you, children, etc. Well, you got to be prepared for God taking you through the wilderness, God allowing you to experience and teach you how to overcome trials. That's the story of David, it's the story of Joseph, the story of Caleb, uh, and on and on and on, Joshua, of the apostles. So he kept talking about the, the power of truth. And once again, he got it at a deeper level, far more. And it was like he had read my book, and I don't know if he read the book, Power from Not, And I don't know if he, he's been around a long time. And I was on Fox on a uh, regular basis, at the same time, he was beginning to 
draw near to Fox, so it's quite possible he heard my radio program, which was not on Fox, but on Christian Radio Network, because many of the phrases he used and the illustrations and truths that he had sounded like, it wasn't just biblical, but it sounded like uh, the stuff that I've been teaching for over 40 years. Now, what, what were those truths? That the battle is spiritual. And then he shared something that was profound and something that's one of the main messages of my book, Power From On High. He said that whenever you speak the truth, he said, it's like you can feel, oh, this is Tucker Carlson. He said, whenever you speak the truth, it's like feeling this, some kind of supernatural power descend upon you and fill you. Think about that. That's a statement that, that the, the, the revivalist John Wesley of the Great Awakening said, or or in the Second Great Awakening, Jonathan uh, Charles Finney, or Jonathan Edwards in the First Great Awakening. And when, when Tucker Carlson talked about the mere fact that you're speaking the truth takes a huge weight off you, and you're infused with power from on high. I mean, that, that's it's like word for word uh, out of my book. Now, the important thing is, whether he got it from reading my book or whether he just got it from the Lord speaking to him or he got it through a combination, including reading the Word of God, I don't know. But I thank God uh, that the Lord taught him these truths. Now, as he continued to talk, what was eerie is he kept talking about the price that, that you have to pay when you speak the truth and how much admiration he had for men and women. Uh, you know, who are unsung heroes, who speak the truth, they change the world, they change the nation, but they don't get a big round of applause down here on earth. And little did he know, as far as I know, he did not know that he was going to get fired from the Fox News Network in a matter of uh, a day or two. In fact, I think he did a Friday morning show or something, and he was talking to one of the big shots at Fox News, uh, negotiating his contract. And then, you know, out of the blue, they fired him at a very strategic point. And, you know, all the, and this is where people need to become very sophisticated and discerning because they keep using the same dirty tricks over and over and over again. They keep using the same dirty tricks. They did it with Trump. They do it with other conservatives. And now they're doing it with uh, Tucker Carlson all the vulgar words he allegedly said about Well, how, how, how is it that they had like a complete dossier, a complete file of everything did that, while at Fox, that could be potentially weaponized and used against him to destroy his character, to bring him down low, to humiliate him, to break him, to defeat him? How come they had files assembled, obviously, or, you know, I can't say obviously, it appears, it appears that they had put together these files uh, for a long time in, in, in anticipation of the day when they were going to fire him. And again, once again, they did not fire him based on the traditional business model. They fired him based on uh, an ideological belief system, which is his sons are militant secular humanists and globalists and one-worlders. And uh, according to many reports, the, the father and the founder of Fox News Network, Rupert Murdoch, uh, hates spirituality, hates Christianity. Those are the allegations. And so his stomach turned. He, he heard the speech that I was referring to. Now, that speech that Tucker Carlson made is the kind of thing that all believers are not going to be required to stand strong or speak out on the level of Tucker Carlson. Uh, all of us are called to speak out, stand for truth at different levels. The point isn't, the point isn't how high we are in the totem pole. The, the, the point is, are we obedient? Are we faithful? in any arena that the, that the Lord has put us into. And if every believer in America would simply endeavor to be faithful at whatever arena the Lord has placed them in, whether it's you know, 
small in the world's eyes or great in the world's eyes. It's not the size and estimation of the world that qualifies it for God's God being pleased with you. It's simply the act of faithfulness. I mean, if you're a dishwasher in a restaurant, but you do your job faithfully, you shine the light of Jesus Christ through your life, you, you have the potential of a greater reward in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, a greater reward than somebody like uh, Tucker Carlson, because you know, he gets a lot of perks also. But remember this, their demonization, their destruction, their uh, anger, their rudeness, uh, their hostility uh, is, is, is shameless, the way they treated him. I mean, I know what it feels. I've been in that position, not with that level of money, not with that level power, but I have been in that position many times in my career. I'm not here to brag, so I'm not going to go through biography, but many times the Lord called to walk away from a high-paying job where I was doing well or excellent, and the Lord called me to leave it because it was in direct conflict with my Christian beliefs, and I had to leave it, and I had nothing. I'm talking about I didn't have any $20 million payout. I was lucky if I had two weeks' pay in advance, and most times, if I was fired or forced to leave, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. I had to walk like a gangplank into complete nothingness. So what that did, beginning in the early days after I received the Lord, like David, I was trained in the school of hard knocks, in the school of reality. I was forced to learn how to rely on God when the world system or your worldly job or your worldly income stream is obliterated before your face and you have nothing, uh, you don't have a trick you can pull, you don't have another door. I know what that's like, and many of you know what that's like too. In fact, many of you know what that's like right now. You're going through that trial right now, and I want to share something with you. You may not be have a big name or a big shot, you know, Depends what circles I'm in. Some circles, they don't know me from a hole in the ground. In other circles, Christian circles, I'm sometimes are a celebrity. It doesn't matter because it's all an illusion. The worldly acclaim, the worldly worship is, is an illusion. And if that's what you're feeding on, and then suddenly it's ripped away from you, uh, you, you will collapse psychologically. Your faith has to be in God. So there have been many times in my life where I had to literally have three children, young children, wife, mortgage, car payments, just like you, but I had to walk away from it all with nothing, no reserves, and this was quite a few times. The Lord put me through that, that spiritual training school, and I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, oh, it's easy to do, go through this, but it's, it's etched into my soul, faithfulness of God. And that when you cry out to God, it doesn't mean, you know, you pray to God and you snap your fingers. God's not a magic genie where you rub his belly and uh, wish for things and they, they materialize. God is not the God of the secret. Uh, God is the living God, the true God, the faithful God, and he will meet your needs. He will watch your back. But this is where the faith movement went off the deep end. Many of the principles of the faith movement are based on powerful principles of Scripture. The problem with the faith movement is it went way, way above and beyond what is true and got into spiritual apostasy, spiritual error, and false teaching as it began to worship money, power, jets, cars, success. And what is left is kind of a sawdust-in-the-mouth counterfeit anointing. We're in the greatest spiritual battle in the history of mankind. That counterfeit anointing will not cut it. But God is faithful. And you sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes you will be in agony. It's like your stomach is being torn in two. And there doesn't, in the natural, there doesn't appear to be a way out. And in the natural, every door is slammed shut in your face. And you're being attacked. And you're being lied about. And you're being defamed. And your so-called brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, they abandon you. Not only that, they attack you. Many of you have been there. I've been there many times. And I can tell you this. All the people that God uses 
like the people in the Bible, like Joseph and so on and so forth. They all had to go through that school of spiritual training because those are the fiery trials that shape and mold you and make you usable for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what you want to be, usable for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that position, the Lord will fill you with power from on high. Let me just say this to you. In the days that are coming now, with the escalation and the demonization of Christians, on cue, I have watched people in the media deliver statements that are celebrities on The View, for example, deliver statements that are designed to incite hatred of Christianity and hatred of Christians by demonizing and lying about them and portraying, quote, the Christian right as you know, the greatest threat to America, equivalent to, to terrorism. Those are lies. Those are the techniques that Hitler and Nazis did before they uh, killed you know, over 30 million people in the Holocaust, both Jews and Gentiles. In order to do that, you've got to create a social climate where you demonize the people you want to destroy. Hitler demonized the Jews. But now we're in a new kind of America where Christians that believe the Bible are being demonized. We have a short period of time to turn this around, and we can't do it on human strength and power. The challenge before us is not to be super spiritual so that we're no earthly good. The challenge before us is to use our practical mind, our right brain mind, our left brain mind. Our challenge is to use both hemispheres in our brain, the rational, logical mind, and then the creative, intuitive mind. God created the two hemispheres, the left and right brain, to, to be utilized and function as a, as a balance. That's what makes us powerful as the children of God. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Take advantage of all our free resources, Roku channel, great discounts on the books, and build yourself up in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And allow the Word of God to open up for you through revelation, the true uh, meaning of prophecy and how true Bible prophecy opens up power, revelation, knowledge, wisdom, and faithfulness for you, your family, and the body of Christ in the last days. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us right now and spread this message, spread these links far and wide. Wherever you are in the United States or on planet Earth, <clears throat> welcome back to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm thinking about uh, the, the powerful speech that Tucker Carlson gave at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, he said some phenomenal things, and he represents, in a sense, every man. Not every man doesn't have a twenty million dollar year contract, et cetera, et cetera. But <clears throat> he he is growing as an individual, and he kept saying things that never would have been said ten years ago. He kept talking about how he felt impressed or led, and he wasn't using Christianese words, but he kept talking about the importance of praying. 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, and how that would change everything. Now, most Christians don't get that. They don't understand, and I didn't understand, by the way, so let me not, don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not talking down to anybody. I didn't get it. You know, for years, for, for the first number of years as a Christian, the idea of going to a prayer meeting or just praying or whatever, I wanted to barf. I'm serious, because to me, prayer was synonymous with passivity, religiosity, and most of all, boredom, bored out of my mind. And that's because I was ignorant. I was blinded from the truth. You see, I had been involved, immersed is a better word. First, I was raised in an atheistic, existentialist, secular humanist household. But the upside is that there was a powerful environment of learning, reading, thinking outside of the box, creativity, uh, which allowed my mind and will allow anybody's mind your children's mind, your, your spouse's minds, to grow exponentially. And by that I mean when you develop, when you allow yourself to be programmed, I'm not talking about like cult program, but when you, when you expose a child or an adult to classical music, and I don't like classical music, but I grew up in a household where my mother uh, 
played the piano, classical music all the time. And she sang opera. And I don't like opera either. But you see, what that did, and I was talking to her the other day. She she is like 92 years old, very extremely healthy, cutting-edge intellect, sharp as a razor, because she has been walking as exercise her entire life. And um, being in an environment with classical music, see, if it left to my own devices, my mind would have plowed into a rut, like kids' minds are plowed into a rut today. I was like uh, uh, addicted, brainwashed into listening to like Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, and stuff like that, which which I I liked because they're passion, okay. But when you listen to the 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 uh, to their music and the vibrations, this is the most important thing, the specific frequencies and vibrations that rock and roll, especially hard rock and horribly heavy metal. I mean, you know, part of me likes that stuff, okay, because it fires off adrenaline. But the smarter part of me, not the dumber part of me, the smarter part of me knows that if I was only exposed to rock and roll, I'd be an airhead today. It was the combination of creating new, vibrant neurological pathways in my brain. And remember, the brain is a three-modality system. Your brain, technically, is the, the matter between your ears in your skull. Your brain is the heart area. Your brain is the stomach area. And those are filled with neurological pathways or highways or circuits or traveling circuits, which uh, process emotion, the subconscious, the conscious perception, cognitive abilities, sports abilities, physical abilities, as well as people skills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when you expose your child to complex music, you're cheating the system. The system wants to dumb you and your child down. Moms, dads, get it, get it. You know, you got to be sneaky. You have to have a strategy. I, I had to listen to classical music because I couldn't escape it. So I would do all kinds of things because we commuted so much. And I would, I would give, select certain kinds of music, certain kinds of messages, certain kinds of Bible reading. And I played in the car at just enough volume that it wouldn't be overbearing. But I was soaking their mind. I was renewing their mind with God's Word. And I was building those neurological pathways for intelligence, goal-setting, cognitive abilities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, that's how you circumvent, that's how you do an end run around this global programming, developed, by the way, by people like Aldous Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, the founder of UNESCO, the first transhumanist. UNESCO is the United Nations global educational system, where the, the idea is to brainwash the, the children of planet Earth through common core curriculum. This goes back like 30, 40 years ago. Common core curriculum which dumbs them down so they become robotic and non-thinking. And that's why they, like, walk around in a zombie trance state, a hypnotic state. Well, you have to use your God-given intelligence to help them escape that trap, because it is a trap. It's a trap of the devil, because we're in a real spiritual war. Now, in my book, Power From On High, I expose the names, the institutions, and yes, secret societies, because they're not mythological, they're real, and they've been alive and active for thousands of years, and they're a key factor among what we call the globalist elite. So in my book, Power From On High, I, I try to communicate this message. None of us are going to make it. We've been given, a, given an impossible task uh, from Jesus Christ. It's impossible only if we try to fulfill that mission or that assignment from God for our lives. If we try to do it in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own finite human ability, we're going to fail. We're going to crash and burn. And the nation will be destroyed. Period. I mean, that's it. Just look at history. Look at history. It screams at you. However, if we, if we learn the fundamental principles God gives us in his word, which is to rely on his power, his supernatural power, not our human power, but to rely on his supernatural power, wisdom, grace, seeking him for his blessing, uh, moving in, in sync with his divine law and divine principles, 
when we're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that includes using the mind of Christ and being open to knowledge, which is power from God, then we can transform our nation. That which appears to be impossible, all things are possible, Jesus Christ said, if you believe. And that's the message we need to get through. And I can't do that by myself. But I have seen the message that I've been putting out for 40 years, and I've seen a massive harvest as these seeds of thought based on the Bible spread around the world. But I need your help, and you need to understand, and I'm not trying to talk down to anybody, you need to understand, just like I do, that we have to show up for the great spiritual battle. We're in it, whether we like it or not. God is not some fixed, uh, uh, you know, set in stone. He, he responds to the prayer and the repentance of his people. We can change America. So right now, for example, this world system, Mystery Babylon, is being controlled by a globalist elite. They represent less than 1% of the population of planet Earth, yet they own 99% of all the wealth. And it's just two, primarily just two corporations, mega corporations, and I name them in the book, and I, and I give you a flow chart of all the corporations under them, two globalist corporations that control all of the other corporations and all of the world's wealth. And they have changed their strategy. It used to be kind of a live and let live uh, strategy. I know that comes from James Bond, but just is what it is. They used to adopt a, a live and let live strategy. Now they're, they're going for total domination of planet Earth. And that means they want to enslave the masses. And they're doing that primarily through technology. And they have stated that this isn't a conspiracy theory. It's only a conspiracy theory if you're uneducated and ill-informed. They have openly stated what their goal is for decade after decade after decade. Brzezinski, Rockefeller's right-hand man, talked about the technotronic era where technology and electronic surveillance would be the instruments of a global totalitarian regime. Well, that's what the global reset is. The global reset is based on a lie. But we have the people in America so dumbed down that they actually believe. I mean, think about this for a minute. Why on earth with the wealthiest people in the world, the globalist elite, why would they share? What delusion are people under, especially Christians, where they actually believe that these people have any intention whatsoever of sharing their wealth, of, of doing what's right? Do you see any objective data or measurement right now in America and around the world? Do you see any evidence whatsoever that their intentions, that their planned outcomes are for the good of mankind? Forget about the rhetoric. Forget about the propaganda. Forget about all the blah, 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 blah about climate change and stuff. If they really, if they really believe that, that climate change was a danger, they wouldn't be flying solo in their gigantic jumbo jets and their multiple mansions and their Olympic-sized swimming pool. That, that's for you. You're, you're, you're the sucker. They intend to ensnare, and they can only ensnare you if you're ignorant. Knowledge is power. So all things are possible with God. I need your help. I need you to go before God. Stop playing games. I'm serious. This is it for you, your children, and your grandchildren. Go before God and ask him what he would have you do. How much is he telling you to donate or contribute to this ministry, Paul McGuire Ministries, Paradise Mountain Church, this outreach? How can you help as an intercessory prayer warrior? I mean, Tucker Carlson isn't a Christian minister, but he's telling people to pray 10 minutes a day. That's the least we can do how to pray for ministries like this one and others that are speaking the truth. And if we do what God has put it in our hands to do, just like the pilgrims and Puritans, we will see the blessing of God. It doesn't mean America is going to be, you know, a magic wand and pixie dust is going to flow from heaven. That's not going to happen. It may only be a remnant. It, only, it may be just a 1%, a faithful remnant of 1% of the population. But history shows us that if you have a 1% of the population that is truly committed to God, that 1% will please God, and God will move. That's, that truth is revealed in Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. 
Don't allow yourself to be pounded in your mind into pieces. Stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I don't have the strength in and of ourselves, but in Christ we have access to power from on high. And let's not get into an argument of what we're going to call power from on high. You can call it being filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ said, be clothed with power from on high. Those are pretty radical words. We need that kind of radical, supercharged, truly spiritual, and yet truly biblical, and yet truly rational, scientific, and logical uh, game plan. If we do that, nothing is impossible. I need you to join with me. Don't, don't like nosedive. Don't go by feelings. You go by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.